0: good evening church how's everyone doing today thank you for joining us to worship our god to to humble ourselves before his word uh, and to fellowship with one another as well that's one thing that you can't do online sorry those who are online um but for those who are here let's also remember that our praises are to our god but they are also to encourage one another that our learning from his word it's not just for ourselves, but it's for our loved ones and our family as well, and especially the fellowship around this place. As we, as we you know, leave from here, don't just go out the door, greet someone around you, see how people are doing, build into one another's life. But for now, can I invite you to stand and sing with us as we worship our God?
1: So...
2: To the time of our gathering as God's people in our service where we come and we celebrate the Lord's Supper and this is one of the things that God has prepared and instituted for us as his people you know to prepare us to receive his grace through partaking of the elements in faith and this is a great way to really reorient ourselves back to the gospel promises isn't it to remind ourselves of what Christ has done to remember Jesus Christ in this life where we can be so easily distracted so easily forget the grace and goodness of God. Let me read from Romans chapter 3 verses 1 to 26. This is one of the cre- cre- clearest passage about the work of Christ. So let me read from verse 22 onwards. This is what Paul says, "There's no difference between Jews and Gentiles, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. All of mankind, we have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. We have missed the mark and we don't deserve any kind of honour or grace from God. But yet in Christ, in Christ we are declared righteous By faith, through the shedding of His blood. And that's why we have 10,000 reasons to sing praise to God, isn't it? 10,000 reasons for our heart to sing and praise God. We have been forgiven of a debt that we could not pay. And there's nothing in all of creation that can bring us back to God except the blood of Christ. And so we come as God's people, we receive this by faith. We trust in the goodness of our, God our Father, trust in the gospel promises of, of Jesus Christ, trust in the work of the Spirit in our hearts. It is the Father who sent the Son, and it is the Spirit who unites us to Jesus. All three persons of the Trinity working together to bring us back to God. And we all receive this not by our own works, we receive this by faith, by trusting in Jesus. And that's why there's no boasting. Right? Later on, chapter 3, Paul says, where then is boasting? It is excluded. Well, how can we boast when we did not do anything? God is one who did everything. We only trust in Jesus. And we stand before God righteous because of the righteousness of Christ. And that's why we come, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. We boast in Christ alone. We boast in the shed blood of Christ for us, that washed away our sins. And we receive this great news. And as God's people together, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the Lord's death, to proclaim this gospel until He comes back again. So this evening, when we take the bread and when we take the cup, what we are saying, we're clinging on to Christ. We're clinging on to His death and resurrection. And we're saying to the people around us, I trust in Jesus the one who loved me and gave himself for me. And so if you're here this evening, you're the, if you're a Christian and you see Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to take in faith, to trust in Jesus once again. If you're here and you're not a Christian, we just ask that you remain seated. Please don't feel any pressure to take. But our hope and our prayer is that one day you'll come to know this Christ. Let me pray father we come before you we thank you for jesus and we thank you for the lord's supper we thank you for communion where we can come as your people to celebrate it and to remember jesus christ to remember what he accomplished for us on the cross and so father as your people this evening by your spirit out your grace once again as we partake of the elements remind us of your goodness and your grace In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me invite the first few rows to stand. Please make your way forward to receive the communion elements. Please hold the bread and the cup. We will partake of them together. Let's come and remember the body of Christ given to us. Let's eat together. And this is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. We thank you that he died for our sins on a cross and rose again on the third day. What an amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Can I invite you to stand as we sing our next song? We give you all the praise. We give you all the worship. We exalt you, oh God, because you have been so, so good to us. You have lavished your love upon us. We give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before you take your seat, why don't you greet someone next to you? Give them a really warm handshake as well.
3: Thank you, worship team, and hello to everyone who's here. We've now come to a time of scripture at Subi. We're halfway through February, and we'll have um, the, this month's verse up behind me, but with just a few words that are missing. So hopefully that helps you out. <laughs> All right, so let's try this together. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. But just as he called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. That's really good. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, well, thank you, kids, for joining us. Um, you are now dismissed to your Suvi Kids classes. And welcome again to Subi Church. If you are a new person here or if you're just visiting, we would love to connect with you. Just have a look for anybody who has a red lanyard like this. And um, yeah, we'd love to get you connected into our community here at Subi Church. Another way that you can connect with us is through a connect card. And you'll see these on your seats. And you can also submit... uh, a connect card digitally using the QR code on the back of the chair in front of you. Another thing that you can do digitally is to give your offering. You can do that online, and we encourage you to set up regular giving through your bank. That can be done quite easily, but of course, if you prefer to do a direct giving, we um, there are envelopes in the back of the auditorium as well, and you can pop that into the offering box just at the doors over there. So let's just take a quick minute to pray for our offering. Father, we thank you for how great you are, how mighty you are, and that you provide us with all that we need and that we can find life through your son. And Lord, we give you this offering, just a small piece of what you have so abundantly given us. And Lord, we pray that you will bless it as it's used to further your kingdom. Amen. All right. Well, we have um, a Nourish series that's coming up in March, and this is happening every Thursday in March, starting the 2nd of March, just for two hours, 6.30 to 8.30 in the church cafe right there. And if you're not familiar with Subi Nourish, Subi Nourish is a ministry where people from all Three services can get together and come to be nourished physically, we'll have dinner together, but also, more importantly, you will be nourished spiritually as well by learning from God's Word. So heading up to be nourished in March is our Pastor Chin and also our Connect ministry director, Tracy Johnston. They'll be teaching on the book of Exodus. And through this book, we'll discover God's goodness and his faithfulness as he rescues his people out of um, slavery in Egypt. And through this salvation, we see that God shows a pattern for our great salvation in Christ. So there will be a dinner that's provided, and there's a small fee of $10. And you can RSVP to, to um, the March SubiNourish via your Connect card, just so it helps with our catering. So let's take a few minutes to come together before the Lord in prayer please join me as I lead. Heavenly Father, may your name be praised in all the world. You are our creator and deserve all our thanks and honor. Lord, please provide for those in need. We pray for Turkey and Syria and the rescue mission after the recent earthquake. We pray for effective aid relief to reduce the suffering there. Please enable the survivors and the communities to rebuild their lives. May Christians and Christian organizations working on the ground there communicate the gospel message clearly as they care for those in need. We also pray, Lord, for the relief efforts in New Zealand after the recent cyclone. Lord, please be with the families who have lost their loved ones, and may non-believers see in the events of this earthquake and cyclone that this world is not the way that it should be so please lord draw them to know you and lord would you help those who are here in our own backyard who are struggling with the rising cost of living please provide jobs lord for those who are unemployed those who need shelter and supplies um, may you who are in, may we who are in a position to help um, show love show the love of christ in practical ways father Thank you for your forgiveness through Christ. Where we are unable to, please empower us to forgive those who have wronged us. Father, just as you are holy, please enable us by your powerful spirit to be holy in all we do. Let our eyes be pure, our words be gentle and kind. May we be slow to anger, temperate in what we drink. When we are tempted, Lord, show us the way out and lead us to obey you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Let's now say the Lord's Prayer together, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. We have it on the screen behind me. You can follow along. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. Lastly, Lord, please also bless the word as it's being preached today. In your Son's name, amen.
4: This week's Bible readings are taken from the books of Romans and 1 Corinthians. Romans 1, verses 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 7 to 11. Verse 7. The very fact That you have lawsuits among you means you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong. And you do this to your brothers and sisters. Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolatrous, nor adulterous, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. May the Lord's Spirit quicken our hearts to take in his
2: word. Good evening. There you go. Good to see you, everybody. Good to be uh, together again at church, as always. My name is Chin. In case you don't know me, Um, and it's always a pleasure to come together to worship God and to hear from God. Now, recently, I came upon a website that was uh, created by political and social um, enthusiasts, and they claim to have expertise uh, and knowledge on government and civic issues, and In October 2022, they wrote an article. And in that article, they laid out five main problems in the world. So they are trying to set out to answer the question, what is wrong with the world? What is wrong with our world today? They came up with five issues, right? They said wealth inequality, famine, homelessness, disease, war. Now, I don't know what you think about that list, and I'm sure people, different people would like to add more to that list. They probably want to add all kinds of, um, to that list, all kinds of discrimination, you know, from racism to sexism, could be to issues like the lack of acceptance of different um, sexual uh, expressions. Some wants to add to the list, you know, issues of, say, maybe falling standards of education, and I'm sure you can think of many more are reasons and many more issues that you can add. But it does not take a genius to sense that there is something wrong with our world today. We sense that you know the world is not as it should be. So what is wrong with our world? Paul answers that question, or God answers that question by going right to the beginning, and by going to the most fundamental issue in our world today. And as you know, we are going through a series in the book of Romans. We are focusing on the gospel of God. And last week, what we saw from David is that this Paul, he's unashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel and his life goal, his life message. What he wants to do is to preach this gospel to everywhere, everyone in the world. Yep. Okay, and as you hear in our Bible reading, <clears throat> we see that it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And in this salvation, in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed to us, righteousness that is received by faith. Now, what is, uh, what is it about this righteousness of God that is so powerful? I mean, why do we need this righteousness in the first place, by God? What has happened to human beings that we need this? And so Paul goes on to talk about that in our passage today, in Romans chapter one verses 18 to 32. So I will be reading from that passage. <clears throat> as always, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to that passage, and again, I, and let me encourage you to bring your own Bibles, if you have, so that you can follow along as we preach through the book of Romans. Um, so let me invite you to stand, if you're able to, and I'll read from Romans chapter 1, verse 18. Romans chapter 1, verse 18 to 32. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people, who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. Being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Though they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings, and birds, and animals, and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. Because of this, God gave them over to shameful lust. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another men committed shameful shameful acts with other men and received in themselves due penalty for their error furthermore just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of god so god gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done they have become filled with every kind of wickedness evil greed and depravity they are full of envy murder strife deceit and malice they are gossips slanderers, god haters insolent arrogant and boastful, they invent ways of doing evil, they disobey their parents, they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. Although they know God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve those who practice them." You may be seated. What a strong passage. Paul doesn't pull any punches. And he goes straight into explaining what is wrong with our world. And in this passage, we begin to see why it is necessary for God's righteousness to be revealed in the gospel. It is necessary because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. Verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. We need the righteousness of God in the gospel to be received by faith because the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all people for their wickedness. And notice that this is not something that's happening in the future. This is something that's happening now. The wrath of God is being revealed now against mankind from heaven. His judgment is upon us because of our wickedness, because of our godlessness, and He holds us accountable. Well, because we know who God is. But what happens is that as mankind, we suppress the truth about what we know about God by our wickedness. Regardless of what we tell ourselves, we know deep down there is a creator. God has made it plain in creation. We look out into our world, we look out into the universe, the only logical conclusion that we can draw about where it all came from is that There has to be someone who's of great power, of great being, who have created all of this. It cannot logically come about by chance. Something cannot come out of nothing. And that someone has to be God. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, have been clearly seen. Now, We don't know everything about God from creation, but we can know about God's power and His divinity. And we look out into our world, we see something breathtaking in nature, especially in WA here, breathtaking beaches and the sunset. Or we look out into the universe, just notice the sheer size and scale of our universe. We cannot help but marvel at the One who created it. One commentator puts it this way, God has stitched his greatness into the fabric of the human mind so that his majesty is instinctively recognized when one views the created world. We know God. But what happens is that in our wickedness, we suppress that truth. We jump through hoops to deny the existence of God. We don't acknowledge His existence, we don't acknowledge His authority over us, but we have no excuse, God has made it plain to us. And we have no excuse because even though He has made it plain to us, we did not recognize Him, did not glorify Him, did not give thanks to Him. And in living our lives without God, our thinking becomes futile, our hearts are darkened. And instead of worshipping God, we end up worshipping creation. Verse 22, Verse 22. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal human beings and birds and animals and reptiles. So instead of worshipping the Creator, human beings, we are not worshipping creation. I mean, if you think about it, that's a bit foolish, isn't it? Especially in terms of idol worship. If you think about it, someone has to take time to take raw material, like wood or metal, make the effort to fashion that into an idol and in the end, after somebody has built that or made that, we bow down and worship the very thing we made ourselves. That's why Paul says our thinking becomes futile and become, we become fools when we don't worship God. We exchange the glory of the immortal God for mere creation. Of course, you might be thinking, oh, sometimes I think, you know, I'm a Christian, I, I would never do that. You know, I follow God, I believe in Jesus, I worship Jesus, not anything here on earth. Well, maybe, maybe there was an incident in the Old Testament that shows us how easily we can be led to worship something here on earth, to worship something else other than God. Right in this incident the Israelites, they have witnessed God's amazing power in rescuing them out of slavery in Egypt. That's in Exodus. Hint, nourish. Um, they have Moses. They have God's appointed mediator, savior of the, his people. He leads them out of slavery by crossing the Red Sea. They witness God perform miracles through Moses. He provides manna and quill to them. When they had nothing, they experienced all of God's goodness, all of God's provision and His blessing. And then they come to Mount Sinai. Moses goes up to receive instructions from God. But what happened to the people? They got impatient. They said to Aaron, Come, make us gods who will go before us. What does Aaron do? So he took all their gold that they have, And he fashions a golden calf. And then he built an altar in front of the calf, and he said to the Israelites, these are your gods who brought you out of Egypt. They worshipped the golden calf and even had sacrifices made to it. And this is something they made, yet they worshipped the very things they themselves created. Even though they knew God, they have experienced His blessing, witnessed the salvation He brought to them, they're still not immune to idol worship. So don't think that just because we are followers of Christ that we are immune to worshiping created things rather than God himself. Easy for us to look at this passage, point fingers at those outside of the church. But the things that Paul mentions here are also things that we can end up doing. For how often we have worshiped or idolize particular celebrity pastors or preachers? How often have we chased off the experiences that human beings, we ourselves, create rather than God? How often have we worshipped the rightness of our doctrines instead of loving God and His people? How often have we worshipped ourselves and based our identity on something that we have or something that we do instead of God? How often have we worshipped our children instead of loving them as God does. I mean, our idols may not look like birds or reptiles or animals like the golden calf, but they are idols nonetheless if we are not, not worshipping God. And when we worship created things rather than God, rather than our Creator, our thinking becomes futile. We become idolaters. We fail to worship the immortal God. And that's why the wrath of God is being revealed against all the godlessness and wickedness of people. And at the core of all our issues is our failure to glorify and give thanks to God. A failure to acknowledge God as God and to submit to His rule. And because of that, God pours out His wrath on us. And now his wrath is being revealed in our world against all the godlessness and wickedness of mankind. And from verse 24 onwards, Paul talks about what this wrath looks like, how it is manifested in our world. And what God does is not pour out fire and brimstone from heaven. What God does is he gives people over to what they are. He allows us to experience the consequence of what we are in our godlessness and in our wickedness. He takes his restraining hands away from our sins so that we experience the consequences of our sins. And that happens in two ways. What we do with our bodies, and what we do with our minds, and what we do with our others as a result of that. So number one, verse 24 to 27, he gives us over to our sinful sexual passions. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. And he goes on, he talks about men and women, they exchange natural um, relations with unnatural ones, specifically talking about same-sex lust and same-sex activities. And that's what happens when we do not glorify, when we do not give thanks to God. He gives us over to our sinful sexual passions. And we ignore the way that He has designed us, and we follow all our sexual passions without any boundaries. Basically, we do whatever we want with our bodies with no thought about how God has intended or designed us to be. And why would we care about how God has designed us if we don't acknowledge Him in the first place, when we don't submit to His rule? Well, we wouldn't care. So it should not surprise us that you know, those who do not know And those who do not believe in God, they have a very different view of what we can or cannot do with our bodies and what to do with sex. It's not surprising. But let me give you an analogy. Let me give you one analogy. So behind me, let me show you a picture of a tool. Very important tool, something I use very a lot, very often. Now, I'm sure you can tell me what this tool is, right? What is this tool? Well done, it is my toothpick, alright? I use this as my toothpick, very helpful for getting food out of my teeth. How about this tool, the next one? Very very helpful tool, use this very often. What do you think I use this for? Meat mallet. Meat mallet, very close, but it's not. I use this as my doorbell. Very effective, right? Every time I use this, people will come rushing out and open the door very quickly. Now you may be thinking, what, what, come on. Those are not the natural uses of these tools. You won't be just taking food out of, with that toothpick, you'll be taking out your teeth as well. Same with a doorbell, and you are absolutely right. They're designed for completely different purposes. And their natural uses is a screwdriver or a hammer. And any usage of these tools that is not in line with those purposes would be unnatural because that's not what they're designed to do. They had a designer who made these tools for that specific purpose. And if we use these tools for any other purposes, there will be consequences. It's the same with us and our bodies. We are made in the image of God. God is our designer. And he has a specific design and purpose for our bodies and for sex. And he designs sex to be something between not a man and a woman. It is more specific than that. Something to be enjoyed only between a husband and a wife. Because what it does is it unites a husband and a wife in their marriage as they become one. They enjoy one another. And that includes the possibility of an offspring. That's what sex has been designed for. It's not for mere bodily pleasure. And if we don't acknowledge God as our designer, if we don't worship Him as God, then, well, sex can be whatever you make it to be with whomever you want it to be with. And that comes with consequences in our lives. Because we are using it in in a way that God did not intend for it to be used. And that's why in our world, the only boundary with any kind of sexual activity today is consent. Consent. And even then, there are lots of questions about what consent means and how it looks like in different relationship dynamics. Right, it's gone to the point where smartphone apps are being developed to, make, to take a clear record of consent before any activity. Suddenly, sex becomes a business transaction, like taking an Uber or ordering food. It's devoid of all that makes it special and meaningful. But that's not what God designed sex to be. It's meant to be an intimate activity between a husband and a wife, enjoying each other in the security of marriage, strengthening their bond every time with the possibility of an offspring. And any activity outside of that is something that God did not design sex to be. And in our rebellion against God, by not acknowledging Him, by not glorifying Him, He reveals His wrath to us by giving us over to our sinful sexual passions with all kinds of sexual expressions that God never intended. And I want you to notice the fundamental issue. The fundamental issue is not the issue of sex itself. The fundamental issue here is our failure to acknowledge and glorify God. That's Paul's main point here. Because of our worship of created things, and in this case, our bodies, God gives them over to our sinful sexual passions. At the root of our issue is idolatry. We've exchanged the glory of the immortal God with created things. And that's why our fundamental focus as Christians to our world must be to showcase who God is and remind them of what He has done for us in Christ. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of who Christ is or what He has done for us. And then we trust the Holy Spirit to work obedience and repentance in those who follow Him. Now, of course, that's not to say that we don't do anything to tackle these issues within schools and within our societies in general. But as we do that, we must not forget, we must not let this overshadow the fundamental issue, our failure to glorify and acknowledge God. That's the first manifestation of God's wrath upon us. He gives us over to our sinful sexual passions, what we do with our bodies. The second manifestation is in how we treat others. He gives us over to our depraved minds. Verses 28 to 32. He gives us over to our depraved minds. Verse 28. Furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. And then he goes on to give us a list of vices filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossip, slanderous, god-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful, invent ways of doing evil, disobey. This goes on and on and on and on. And in the end, he says, human beings, we have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. What a list. A bleak, catalogue of human attitudes and practices that would destroy any kind of human community. How can we have a loving, trusting community if people are like that? Now, he's not saying every single individual here on earth is like that. He's giving us a general list uh, and a wide-ranging description of human sin in our world. But unfortunately, that's what we see happening in our world. We see many of the behaviour that he's listed here in our world including our own as well. And that comes from a depraved mind, a sinful mind, because we don't acknowledge who God is. And as a result, God gives us over to our own minds. When we fail to respond rightly to God, we will fail to live rightly with people. And we live in an age where there are technological advances in every area of our lives. And compared to our fellow human beings from a few centuries back, we live like kings and queens. We are so comfortable in our living arrangements. We have such incredible wealth. But yet, the level of anxiety, the level of depression in our society is through the roof. Issues of mental health, they are skyrocketing, and the pandemic didn't help. Brought out the worst of mankind, and we are seeing that more and more. Social media made it possible for anyone and everyone to voice their strong opinions, to spew vitriolic comments while being anonymous. So there is a serious loss of community because what we don't know how to relate to people anymore, why would we when we don't think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God? In his wrath, he gives us over to a depraved mind. So we do what ought not to be done. He allows us to experience the consequences of our sin. Verse 32. Although they knew God's righteous decree that those who do such things deserve death, they not only continue to do these very things, but also approve of those who practice them. Intuitively and instinctively, even though we reject God, we know that those who do these things, the things that Paul listed, we know that they deserve death. They deserve to taste justice. And in recent years, I don't know if you've noticed this, there's been more and more desire for justice to be done. There are constant calls for justice, particularly in the realm of social media. And that has given rise to what many have called the cancel culture. You make one mistake, say the wrong thing online, make one wrong joke, no matter how long ago, how much you apologize, there are calls to boycott you, to ban you, to fire you comedians actors authors politicians no one is immune from this and the idea is you know justice must be done and in many ways there are good things that came out of that injustices that was hidden long time ago they have been exposed but as this movement goes on we see that this movement there's no forgiveness there's no love there's no mercy There's no grace. In the eyes of our culture, any talk of forgiveness shows that you do not truly value justice. Let me give you one quick example. This is an example from Matt Doran. He is the Weekend Sunrise host. In late 2021, he flew to London, and his plan was to interview um, Adele, the singer. But he made a mistake. His mistake was that he did not see the email that was sent to him with her new album, and so he interviewed her without listening to her new album. Now the public response was overwhelming. For weeks, his character, his integrity, his professionalism was scrutinized and really torn to shreds. He gave a public apology after that, but there were still calls for him to be sacked, all because he did not listen to an album because he missed an email. And three months after that, he was relieved of his duty at the network. He checked into a mental health facility because he was battling severe and chronic depression. All because of an email. Right? Remember what Paul said, they have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy. There is no forgiveness, no mercy. And they know those who do these things, they deserve death, but yet they continue to do these things themselves, and they approve those who do these things. God gives us over to our depraved minds. He gives us over to our sins and lets us experience the consequence of it. And so right from the beginning of our passage, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people. Now even though we know God, we rejected Him. We did not give thanks to Him, we did not glorify Him, He gives us over to our sins. Gives us over to our sinful sexual passions, gives us over to our depraved minds, and He lets us taste and experience all the consequences of our sins. And we know we deserve death. We have no understanding, no fidelity, no love, no mercy, and that is the bad news, horrible news. And that is why it is necessary for God's righteousness to be revealed in the gospel. Because in the gospel, we have a God who understands. In the gospel, we have a God who is faithful. In the gospel, we have a God who is love. In the gospel, we have a God who is merciful, completely the opposite to us. And in the gospel, we have a God, even though we deserve death for what we have done, this God, He tasted death for us in the person of Christ, so that we don't have to. And in the gospel, we have the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Salvation from the penalty, from the punishment, from the power of sin. So all these things that Paul talks about and mentions in this passage That is what we were. In Christ, we have received God's righteousness. Yes, we still struggle with sin. We still struggle with sexual sin. But we are no longer characterized by that. Sin has no power or hold against us anymore. Our deepest desire, our identity, is to worship and to obey God. Listen to what Paul says in another, another letter of his, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in our Bible reading, and notice how similar the themes are. Let me read that. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral or idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And so even though we deserve death our sins, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to be received by faith. Christ died so that we don't have to. Christ died so that we can glorify God, so that we can give thanks to God. So it is true that the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people, but there is a greater revelation. The revelation of the righteousness of God found in the gospel. And that is the great gospel of God. And as we come to this passage, we know the depth of our sins. But knowing the depths of our sins will cause us to rejoice And cherish the gospel all the deeper all the more because we know how good and great God has been to us let me pray Father God we thank you for Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior we thank you that the righteousness your righteousness has been revealed through what Christ has done for us Lord we recognize our own sinfulness and like what John Newton said so many centuries back, we thank you for that amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. Lord, review in ourselves a greater reality of our sin. But yet, Lord, by your Spirit, we pray that you would bring us and give us a greater, deeper, bigger vision of the gospel, of the cross, We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you that he is our Lord and our Savior, that he went to the cross, died the death that we should have died, knowing that we deserve the death, but yet he took it upon himself. And now as your people, we want to praise you, glorify, and sing praises to you. Father, we thank you for Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.
0: I invite you to stand as we close up our our service today. Love and mercy for the ones who call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. Ask you for the ones who call upon the Lord,
1: call upon the Lord. Jesus is risen, the power of God displayed. debt we could not pay now we glorify your Lord.
5: Good evening, everybody Good evening. now I know that every time I get up here at this pulpit you're waiting for a big announcement aren't you well guess what you're just gonna have to wait a little bit longer <laughs> <coughs> but tonight we do have some really exciting news to share with you and I just wanted to bring you a quick update on a few things before I hand over to Sean as the chairman of our elder board can't tell you how grateful I've been for the enormous support that we have had through what's been an incredibly difficult time. And as a, a search committee and as a member of our elder board, you get to see things from the inside out and sometimes it's pretty, it's pretty tough. You know, we've worked through a really diligent process. It's been soaked and drenched in prayer. We've had a fantastic search committee that's worked so hard. And if you think back to the process that we've been through, it's been going on for over a year now since our pastor Ben gave us the, the news that he wouldn't be seeking another term. And so we've worked incredibly hard. We engaged an external consultant who has been absolutely outstanding to help us. Remembering a while ago we did an all-church survey to just help redefine exactly who we are and what we're looking for, what the, the DNA of Suby Church looks like, word-focused. Gospel focused, where the word of God is preached faithfully from this pulpit every week. We've run two incredibly intense campaigns locally, within Australia and right around the world. And I have to tell you, we've had some outstanding candidates that we've spoken to through that process and some have become incredibly close to being offered a role. But it's been really hard to find the exact right one. And this is not a human endeavour of uh, getting out a a checklist and checking points in a box. It's about discerning where God would take Subi Church next. And I have to say, the search committee has done an amazing job through that period. I can't speak highly enough of the job that they've done. I personally want to thank them all and recognise exactly how much work they have done in this time. And I want to name them as well, because most of you will know who they are. Remembering that we had members of our Elder Board, Rod Cousins, who was chair at the time, Michael Keong, Rowan Hume and myself representing the Elders, but we also had members from our broader com- congregation, and Evelyn Tan, Silas Lee, Haley Elkin, Annetta Gan, and Catherine Smith and Marilyn Scantlebury. And I have to tell you, you could not have wished for a better group to work with. But now, we're hitting the pause button. We're going to take a well-earned break. And I'm going to hand over to Sean. He's going to take you through the next steps from here. Thanks, Stuart.
6: You probably agree with me if I say this, that in the last few months you have seen Pastor Chin and Pastor David um, done an amazing job um, in bringing the Word to us. We have seen them grow in this church for a long time now, but you know during the last few months, we have a lot more time to observe them and look at them and to see how they actually um, bring forward as they have to because now that we have a senior pastor who have stepped down and we have them both holding on to the pulpit. In that time, we have gone through many different people from different origin and they have all their strengths and weaknesses, but the elders have then prayfully, as Stuart had pointed out, hit the pause button, and we now prayfully discuss and agree that the Lord has led us in taking the following steps. But before I do that, I would like to invite Pastor Chin and Pastor David to come and join me on the stage. Obviously, they're not new to this news because I had the opportunity to speak to them last week, both of them privately. um, And I also have the opportunity to speak to the whole staff this week um, at the staff meeting. So they're all aware of what is going to be probably presented to you today now. So I would like to say that we have taken this in prayer and we will be trying a new different way of doing things. And this model here is probably similar to what we are experiencing now. You will probably don't see much different in it, but there are tweaks that we're gonna be adding on to it. So the model will be that we have the interim executive pastor role, which is Peter holding on to at the moment to help out. And we do have the two preaching pastor with us What we will do is that David and Chin will take on preaching responsibility more and more in addition to the existing responsibility. This means that role and responsibility may change in the future because they will probably have a very heavy load. We recognize that they are very different people and they have very different skill sets. Both pastors will maintain the title as the pastor of Subi Church. that will be a distinction though. The distinction will be that David will try to, will be overseeing the preaching arrangement and Chin will be overseeing the teaching arrangement. I don't expect them to handle this all by themselves, but they will be working as a team. I mean, with the team of the staff, with Peter and Chin and David will be all working together to get this thing done with their responsibility. And the pastor will continue to report directly to the IEP, which is the interim executive pastor during this period of time. Individualized professional development plans will be established to support the growth and advancement of each of the pastors' leadership skills, the talents and the gifts. So what we want to do here, you can see that we are actually trying to invest back into them. Instead of trying to ask them to do the job. Just by themselves we want to spend more time with them we want to get external people who can actually mentor them in their different skill sets this arrangement will take at least about six months and we will take that time to evaluate them to help them to guide them to point them in the right direction the future of the model for Subi church whether it's going to be a senior pastor model whether it's going to be an executive pastor with the t- with the preaching pastor, teaching pastor role, that has not been considered yet. We will take that period of time, at least six months to review that, and then we will take the decision of how we're going to be proceeding forward from there. As part of the process, the work schedule and the compensation to these two gentlemen plus all other staff members too, the elders are committed to be doing that sort of review with them. Now you probably want to, good to know that we have also started something very good for Chin. Is that Chin now has an office. We... <laughs> in view of his experience and also his involvement in the church, he would be preaching a lot more. He needs time. He needs the workspace. So we have told the staff, and the staff was clapping like you did too on Tuesday. Um, this would also... Give us time as elders to do the planning uh, with the with the, um, the staff and also with the two, two preaching pastor. Now, I just want you to also understand that the certain things will be changing too. The elders before had a lot of involvement in a lot of um, church operation staff. You will see the elders will be slowly moving away from that. We will be passing on to the executive pastor role. Um, and also the deacons, and also the staff to manage that sort of thing. But you will see more and more that the pastors that stand before you now will be participating in the elders' meeting. We will be planning with them together for the church, for the spiritual development of the church. So I think that is a very good move forward. Um, that's what we want planning to do, and it will take time for us to execute all those things. I want to also let you know, too, that all the staff in the church has been put on a short-term contract um, for that period of time when we were doing the um, search for the senior pastor. That will change. Whether it's going to be a long-term contract or a part-time role or a permanent role, we will be reviewing all those things now, and they will be all be putting into either a longer contract or permanent or part-time role. So instead of a short-term contract. That is... T- it's been it's been hard for the staff as you probably can appreciate if you have a role and you have a job that's always going to be a short-term contract it's not going to be good for you so we recognize that and that will be starting to change too so in short i would like you to continue to pray for the church pray for the pastors pray for the staff and the elders that we will continue to listen to the lord and let the lord lead us in what he wants us to do in Subi Church. We will have a session upstairs afterward, after the service is finished. I will be there, Stu will be there, uh, to answer some of your questions. Um, if you do have any, um, and appreciate that, if you feel like praying for these gentlemen here, uh, come forward, come forward and pray with them, um, and let the Lord lead us in this direction. Now, if I can have Peter come up to pray for us
7: okay i'm going to pray for these guys love these guys a lot and um, i'm going to pray for them just want to remind you um, chin's brought us god's word and if you want to pray with someone chin david and myself and we'll be here to pray with you at the end so please come forward if you want to meet with the elders they'll be upstairs let's um, be standing together as we pray shall we father god we come before you because you are god and you ask us lord to come before you we seek your face lord and um, you ask us to and we do right now and we know lord that you will you will visit us with your face you will show us your face your presence is with us and we we thank you for that lord because we need you thank you lord that you are sovereign that you are overall your creator god and you care about your creation thank you lord that it was your idea that you would give us your church the body of christ your bride and that we can be part of this family. We thank you for it. Father, we're grateful because um, we need you and we need each other. Father, we, we ask for forgiveness, Lord, in this whole process if we've failed one another. And we have from time to time, Lord. Sometimes we didn't even believe that we would find what you wanted us to path forward. Lord, sometimes we, um, we just didn't trust. Lord, maybe didn't trust the search committee, didn't trust the elders father maybe us as elders didn't um didn't pray enough lord we we ask for forgiveness about that lord but we thank you that in all of this in all of our brokenness father you have directed us because you are faithful and father we um we thank you for that and father we pray that now for these men who we love dearly who've been among us and served us faithfully and even during difficult times have carried on and they've put their, their um, everything into serving you and serving us, preaching your word and doing whatever was needed when they were called upon. And we thank you for that and we thank them also. And Father, we pray now for this. We thank you for this outcome. We thank you for this period of time where, where um, they have preached faithfully and will continue to do so and serve you. We pray, Lord, you'd continue to give us direction. And I pray, Father, that your spirit will come upon David and Chin in a way that we have never seen before. Lord, that they would experience your spirit like Elisha did when he called upon a double portion of your spirit. And Elijah said, it's a difficult thing, Lord, but nothing is too difficult for you. And we need you, Lord, and we ask that you'd pour yourself upon them and you'd speak through them, Lord, and would we hear your word and would your word pierce us to our hearts. Lord, that we'd all be changed, that it would all become more like Christ. Oh, Lord, Father, we need you, and these men need you, and we pray that for them. We pray, Lord, for protection over them. We pray for protection over their wives and their children. Surround them, Lord. Put a hedge of protection around them, and, Lord, help us to also protect them, to love them, to care for them, and to honour them as men who preach a word among us. We thank you for them in Jesus' name.